The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the In The Pen Podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. It is the first episode of 2023. I am your host, as always, Callan Elslinger, and I'm joined, as usual, by Rick Cram and Jay Crumpler. Guys, Happy New Year. Hope you guys had a great holiday. Happy New Year. I'm looking forward to uh, what the 2023 season brings us here. Yeah, it should be a pretty great year. I'm pretty excited to see what it has in store. I had a pretty exciting New Year's, like I was telling you before the pod, I drank a entire bottle of Martinelli, so you can you know for sure that it was a it was a party. Yes, I'm I'm sure you had that uh, lovely hangover next morning with that apple cider and a rough morning from that. But now it was a it's a great start to 2023 until you have to watch your Oakland A's play, and then it'll be a it'll be a it'll be a downturn. But hey, that that's why you have two teams, bro. That's why I'm a Giants yeah. fan as well. Good point. Good point. And Rick, I could say the same about your Red Sox, but who who knows? I, I don't I don't know what's going on there. But I, I'm going to say all this now, and then the Yankees will start off slow, and I'll get roasted a week in the season. And I'm very prepared for that. But we have a lot to get into. There's actually been last week we did, or last time we recorded, we did a whole news episode, and it was like, okay, we're maybe done talking about news. Nope, there was actually some pretty important news that took place. Some trades, some waivers, and some off-the-field issues that are going to impact fantasy baseball. So we're going to get into that. And we're going to start previewing some teams. We'll get deeper into every bullpen as we get closer to spring training. But for now, we want to start getting some teams on the radar, some bullpens for you guys to monitor going into spring training so that you have an idea of those teams you want to target for uh, the pens that have deep names that are not just a closer deep and have uh, people you want to get for both your saves and your holds. But we'll start, as always, with we do with the news. And start off with the probably the biggest news in terms of uh, what we cover. Obviously, it's bigger than off the field or bigger than fantasy baseball. But Liam Hendricks is going to be undergoing treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which will sideline him for an undisclosed period of time. We've seen it uh, in the past with Trey Mancini, with how long uh, his treatment took him out off the field. So obviously, our best wishes are to him and his family and hope that he uh, comes back healthy, gets through this, and... For us, fantasy baseball fans gets on the field soon enough. But as we go into the 2023 season, it does beg the question of what the Chicago White Sox bullpen has in store because of that. We kind of previewed it last episode where there's trade rumors for Liam Hendricks. But Rick, we'll start with you. 
with Hendricks likely to miss the start of the season and be out for an undisclosed period of time, who are you considering the favorite right now for saves for Chicago? Um, yeah, it's probably going to go back to Kendall Graveman. Um, this yeah, un- un- unfortunate situation with Hendricks. I, you know, one of the better guys in baseball. Hopefully, everything you know works out um, long term. But yeah, I don't. Probably we're not going to see him the start of the season. So, Kendall Graveman's, you know, the name at the end of drafts to start circling. Um, not really inspiring last last season. He he was okay, but after they spent a huge chunk of, of money on him, um, he's just you know kind of lacking in the strikeout department. So, but you know if he's still if he's the clear cut closer in Chicago, someone you want to you want to monitor and. Take a, take a chance on in, in most leagues. Jake, is anybody else you want to monitor for Chicago or do you think uh, Graveman has this locked down or any other names we should be keeping an eye on going into the spring? Uh, first, I'd like to echo your guys' sentiments about uh, Hendricks and hope that he recovers fully and, and quickly. Um, cancer is really difficult to deal with, uh, even for family members. So uh, my best wishes go out to him. In terms of fantasy, I think I have to agree with Rick that Kendall Graveman is likely the front runner. The White Sox do have a new manager, so we don't really know how he's going to deal with that bullpen. Tony Tony Larusa definitely had his ways of being goofy every once in a while, so it, he was pretty unpredictable. But maybe this new manager will be a little more familiar with how he uses his bullpen. I think his name's Pedro Grifol. Um, other guys that I'm looking at in that bullpen, I really like what Reynaldo Lopez did last year. I don't know if he ever does get a chance at the closer role, but Joe Kelly also was really unlucky last year and we talked about him earlier in the offseason, so I think he's also got a shot at closing out games if Graveman sort of flounders. Yeah, the White Sox service team, we always kind of go into the season expecting big storms and they always call them fall shorts. We know how deep that, for the most part, that lineup is. We know what their starting rotation is. If they can turn things around, I think the White Sox could be plentiful for um, saves. So I think there's definitely some late round targets. It wouldn't even shock me if there's still some free agents out there. And I don't know if any of them will eat into the saves, but some names to monitor out there. And I could see them making another move to bolster a pen. So monitor that closely over the coming weeks as we get closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting. But if no one else does, I would echo your guys' sentiment, Kendall Graveman. And I do really like the Ronaldo Lopez call. He's gotten a lot of uh, excitement in the fantasy industry over the past few weeks since this. Uh, as excited as you can get about this sort of news for a fantasy player, but um, he's someone I definitely want to monitor and can see uh, getting some saves down the stretch as we get into the season. But we'll move over to some of the other free agent news from this, uh, this past offseason. We'll start in uh, San Francisco before we get into the biggest trades. They did sign two relievers with, since the last time we recorded. They signed Taylor Rogers to a three-year, $33 million deal and Luke Jackson to a two-year, $11.5 million deal. I'm sure we're mainly going to focus on Taylor Rogers there, but Jake, how do you think this impacts the uh, San Francisco pen? Does Rogers step in with Duvall? Is there going to be a mix and match like we fought last year? What's your outlook right now in San Fran? I think it's pretty hard to tell right now. I really hope that it doesn't affect Duvall's development because he's really shown to be one of the up and coming relievers. He's got stuff very similar to Emmanuel Classe. So I think he's definitely got a ton of potential in that arm. So I hope Rogers coming in doesn't really take away from his positive development as he gets older. But Rogers definitely has the most experience 
of being a closer in that bullpen. It's really not a deep bullpen. It's not a guys, a lot of guys with a lot of experience. So I think he could really help solidify that bullpen. I do think that there is a big possibility that he takes the majority of the save opportunities, though he's very familiar with not closing out games. And I think he would be a good setup man being used all throughout the game as like the, uh, the fireman. So I, I think that's definitely a possibility as well. The giants are so analytically focused that you would sort of be inclined to think that they would go with the sort of modern approach of not having a single closer. And so that's what I'm sort of leaning on is that they'll sort of just match up when they can try to keep Doval's load light and, and keep the pressure off of him, especially if they want to have playoff aspirations, you want to keep him at the height of his game and hopefully have him for the playoffs. So I think there's definitely a possibility that they share opportunities, but you know, I, I, th- I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's 50, 50 right now, whether or not one person's named the closer or if they split and then Luke Jackson is going to be recovering from Tommy John surgery for the majority of the season. So that's why it's a multi-year deal. So we likely likely won't see a lot of him until September. Rick, anything you want to add to that or no, that pretty much it's a good point that, and we've seen it with Kapler before with him not really having a go-to closer and mixing and matching things. So yeah, Rogers definitely eats into Duvall's, um, I guess the value, um, as we, you know, get ready to start the season. <clears throat> and with, I just, I'm curious as to how Luke Jackson got himself $11 million. I don't understand that at all, but, uh, you yeah, you're right. He's not gonna, he's not gonna pitch this year really much, maybe later in the year. And then, you know, he'll come back next year and probably be in a setup or middle relief role. But it's just, that's an interesting contract to me that I was kind of did not understand at the, at the time. It's fun too that they'll have both the Rogers tw- brothers in the same bullpen. I can only imagine being on a uh, MLB team with my brother. That would probably drive me nuts, but it'll be fun to see them battle it out and mix and match. They do have uh, two funky deliveries, so that is a cool storyline to follow. But in terms of fantasy, I would agree with you. I think it's going to be a mix. We saw it last year, like I said, with Jake McGee and Camilo Duvall. Although eventually Camilo Duvall took the job and kind of ran with it. Although we wonder if it was because of just Jake McGee being Jake McGee or was this Duvall just being break, breaking out and taking the job. So I would side with you guys on the, it being more of a 50-50. But keep an eye on it. We may see some tendencies uh, early on in the season or if uh, Ka- Kapler says anything going into uh, spring training about the way he's leaning or if he's just kind of changed his mindset. But another big move and maybe even bigger in terms of the fantasy happened this offseason. It's one of the teams that's done a bunch of this offseason. The Philadelphia Phillies were very active. We'll combine all these news into once because it creates a big question. They did sign Craig Campbell to a one-year, $10 million contract, but they weren't done. They didn't just add one possible closer. They traded for Gregory Soto from Detroit Tigers, along with a few other moves. So this creates a big log, big log jam in that Philadelphia bullpen. You look at roster resource, and they have five people at one point projected as closers for the Phillies. So we're going to be scratching our heads off season. I, I can already tell going back and forth as to who the favorite is for saves. Rick will try and start with you. And you know, I'm sure all three of us will have a different answer. If you had to pick who is the favorite for saves in Philadelphia, who are you targeting for drafts? Or are you just steering completely clear of his pen right now? Um, I don't know if I would, I wouldn't 
deer completely clear because there, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of upside here. But yeah, picking someone out of this group of four potential closers is really really hard. I I think Craig Kimbrell right now just because he's really you know he's known for having he's he's known for pretty much only being successful in a closer role. Uh, I think you know similar they. David Robertson wasn't their best reliever last year, but he was still their closer, and I wonder if that's going to be the same situation this season with Kimbrell, and then you can you can mix and match Soto, Alvarado, Dominguez later on. And I mean, this bullpen really is kind of stacked from top to bottom. All of a sudden, it's it's crazy to see some like the, the, like yeah one through seven. I mean, any one of these guys can close out games, but I I wonder if Kimbrell just the veteran. The guy who has the most saves in his career on the roster, if he gets the first shot, and then you know they don't have to, they can you know pull him out of there pretty soon if, if, if things falter. Jake, anything you want to add, or is Kimbrel your favorite as well? I don't think Kimbrel's my favorite. I do agree that he's really struggled in setup roles, but I really don't think he proved enough last year to sort of run away with that role. I really think Sir Anthony Dominguez showed that he's got what it takes to be a closer last year, and he was really dominant in the postseason as well. So I think he's got the upper hand right now. But as Rick said, there are so many guys in this bullpen that have closing experience. I mean, that addition of Greg Gregory Soto definitely muddies the waters, but I, I think he can clearly be a setup guy. But he is so good. They have two of the hardest throwing left-handers in all of baseball. So it's, it's really incredible what they've done to a bullpen that has historically been a graveyard for relievers to go to. So I'm excited to see what they do going forward. I don't think I would steer clear of here. I just think it's probably the best idea to handcuff with a couple of the right-handers. I think it's good that two of the four guys that seem to be part of the closer committee right now are lefties because you can sort of bank on them probably not closing out games just in terms of the historical usage of closers. So if you can just draft Sir Anthony and Kimbrel in your draft and not draft them too highly, I think that could actually go pretty well because the Phillies are going to be good this year and that's a, a strong bullpen. So they're going to be handing leads to whoever closes out the ninth. So one of those guys are, are going to be getting a lot of saves. And even if they split, I think it's still going to be you know, get you a, a lot of positive value. Yeah, I think Krimbrow would probably be my favorite, at basically for the reasons Rick said, for uh, him being the veteran presence. But also, I just pulled up the average draft position from the NFBC. And yes, it's very early. I've done it in the past week just to get an idea as to how the trends are going. It's only about seven drafts, so it's not a wide variety of data. But Dominguez is going currently at around pick 250. Craig Kimbrell is going almost 100 picks later at pick 345. And Gregory Soto is going at pick 392. So it's still, you know, it's a wide thing. But if I can get Kimbrell at that much of a discount between him and Dominguez, I'll take the shot on a, a pen like that. So I, I do think it's going to be kind of like how it's projected right now. Everyone's going to get between six to 10 saves at some point in the season. It's just trying to ride it. And I do echo what Jake says handcuff it, try and get two of these guys, and hope you pick the right two. I think that can be a strategy that can be just as effective as getting one. Uh, mid-tier closer, you know, mid 6 to 10, 10 to 15 range at a closer for rankings, which we'll get into down the road as we get closer to the spring. But we'll continue on with some of the news we talked about. Some of these, we'll rapid fire these last couple moves before we hit a break, just see if this has any sort of relevance. Philly's also acquired Junior Marte, Eric Ullman, 
The Braves traded for Lucas Lickey. The Orioles traded for Darwins and Hernandez. And then waiver claims that have come within the past week or so. Julian Merriweather was just claimed, as we were recording this today, by a Chicago Cubs. J.B. Buscakis was traded by the, or excuse me, claimed by the Seattle Mariners. And Edward Uchida was claimed by the Detroit Tigers. It's, we're not going to, obviously, don't need to go crazy in depth. Do any of these moves have any sort of a relevancy? Or are you monitoring any of these closely? We'll start with you, Jake. Sure. I think Junior Marte's somewhat interesting. Obviously, we just talked about how deep that Phillies bullpen is, so he probably doesn't have a huge chance. He throws really hard, and he was on the Giants before, so obviously I'll have some sort of affinity to him. And then outside of that, I think Bukowskis is pretty interesting. He was once a very highly regarded prospect, and that has sort of faded. He's now going to be 26 going into 2023. But the fact that he's going to Seattle, where they've had tons of success making relievers into shutdown arms is very enticing because I think he's got some good stuff and he's probably, they, they obviously see something in him. So I think he's got a shot at, at doing stuff there. We've seen a lot of unheralded names go through Seattle in the last couple of years and come out the other end as really successful relievers. So I think it's somewhat interesting to see a guy with his sort of prospect pedigree get claimed by the Mariners. Just don't take away from our boy Andres Munoz. The fantasy industry loves him, and I'm hoping uh, this doesn't hinder. But if it can somehow decrease his draft stock, I'm all for it. But Rick, are you monitoring any of these moves closely, or at least keeping an eye out? Um, I mean, Julian Mer- Merriweather going to the Cubs is kind of interesting. We've, we've he, he was hyped up. What was that? Two years ago, and um, we've seen how dominant he can be when he's healthy. He's just never in his whole entire career been able to stay on the field unfortunately but for a Cubs team that's both you know that bullpen is kind of there's not a lot of you know sure things a lot of question marks there um he could definitely find his way into a setup or possibly closer role at some point this year if again he can stay healthy and then you know Lucas Lukey uh going to the Braves like they needed another quality bullpen arm um yeah <laughs> so I think I was really I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of Dylan Lee, another lefty there in Atlanta, and I was like I was thinking he could have a big breakout, almost you know AJ Minter like breakout this year as you know the number two lefty in that bullpen with Matzik out for the year. Uh, so I wonder how how you know Luki, um how he factors in if he takes away some setup some some hold chances from Lee, who you know could get. I was I was hoping for an expanded role for him this year. Yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye on Merriweather. Just because you said, I, I can almost guarantee we will be talking about him at some point for saves because we mentioned it in the past. The Cubs don't have that established closer. I'm shocked with their kind of spending spree they've been on with getting Swanson and Hosmer and Mancini and Bellinger that they haven't addressed the bullpen in some way outside of signing Brad Boxberger. But if Julian Merriweather, like you said, he has had that upside and he could be someone you. You keep an eye on because the Cubs can definitely turn to him just based on the success he has had in that role in the past when he was with uh, with Toronto. But other than that, I don't think any of these, you know, none of these stand out. But keep an eye on. I think, like you said, B Caucus has shown good stuff in the past, and uh, you know, you brought up some names that are definitely worth. Wanting. I guess Edward and Cheetah, you could keep some sort of eye out from Detroit, and that makes me think of something I completely overlooked with the trade uh, with Soto out of Detroit. It seems like a lot of people are leaning towards Alex Lang as the favorite in Detroit. Do either of you have a 
a different insight if he is the favorite, how high, you know, obviously we haven't done rankings yet at this point, but how high does he fall in? Is he kind of a locked in guy in Detroit now, or what's your read now at the Detroit side of things? I think it's definitely Lang's role to lose there. He's far and away their best reliever now that they've moved on from Soto and Jimenez. Um, I like. I'm, I'm a huge Alex Lang. I, I I think he's in that Alexis Diaz kind of range, where you know, really good reliever on a bad team, probably a middle like 15, 16, you know, t- uh, overall reliever. Um, so I'm thinking that's gonna put him probably in the around 200, maybe a little bit less than 200 range in most NFBC leagues, and I would be fine with paying that 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 price for him. I don't know about that. I feel like this is the prime spot for one of the remaining free agents to go because there still seems to be so many arms and a few of them do have closer experience, uh, namely Michael Fulmer, Brad Hand. I mean, unfortunately, Eraldis Chapman. Um, But there are still still guys out there that have closing experience and this seems like the perfect opportunity for the Tigers to go and scoop somebody up so that they don't raise the price on Alex Lang and arbitration going forward. And that seems like the type of move the Tigers would make. I think this is probably um, one of the opportunities where the team does it super close to the start of the season. So everybody starts drafting Lang thinking, Oh, this is the guy, like, especially in, uh, um, TGFBI, which those drafts start like next month or something. People, people have no idea who the closers are going to be. Like spring training hasn't even started. I think this is the type of guy that starts going really early once people start digging into closers a little deeper and see that he's the clear best reliever there and has actually has pretty solid skills. And then they go and just block him with some reliever that they plan to trade at the deadline. So I, I would be a little bit wary drafting Lang. Yeah, he's his ADP is currently all over the place. Like I said, I'm looking at it the past week for ADP and FBC. He's currently right around pick 250. His min is pick 181, and his max is pick 377. So I'm sure to pick wow. 181 is probably on Rick's side of things where he's established, and the other guys are on Jake's side where it's no, he's there's still someone to be signed with Detroit, and I could see him still making a move, but with the names that are still out there, they have the closer experience, but I could see them trying to switch over to Lang, but it, it wouldn't shock me if it comes a little bit of a crowd of a situation. But if you want to go get some Alex Lang share, now might be the best time because he's only going to continue to increase uh, as we get closer, like I said, to the TGFBI drafts or anything within the next month or so. But um, I'm definitely thinking he's he's got this job and hopefully can run with it. We'd like to... We'd like yeah. having the established closer on the show and... If Will Smith's taking saves away from him or someone like that, I'm gonna be that's gonna that's gonna sting a little bit. It, it should be his job compared to all the rest of these um, free agents. But yeah, I mean, Jake's absolutely right that they I could see the Tigers, you know, just taking someone for a year and trading them at the deadline to keep Lang's value down. Yeah, our next best reliever in terms of the uh, you know the setup men is Jason Foley and Jose Cisnero. Not that that really excites you, excites you, and the Tigers are trying to build themselves back up. So it wouldn't shock me, like I said, if they bring in somebody. Just hopefully, it's a lesser name that kind of leads the, leads us to Alex Lang. But in terms of where he's going, he's going right ahead uh, or right behind, excuse me, Pete Fairbanks. Only a few picks ahead of Kendall Graveman, a little bit after Paul Seawald as well. As well, so that's still right around the range that he's currently going for. But it's still very, very early in draft season. But just some names to 
monitor as we move forward at this point. So we're going to take a quick break and we get back. We're going to dive into some team preview sort of things. We're going to look into some teams you want to monitor going into spring training, teams that have improved in the offseason that should have plenty of exciting names and teams you should start monitoring as you get closer to your draft season. So we'll cover that and more when we get back on the In the Pen podcast. And we're back here. I'm Callan, joined with Jake and with Rick. And so we're going to dive into some of the team preview. Like I said, we're going to get into spring training and go team by team, who's the closer, things like that. But right now, we want to just give you a few top bullpens to monitor that have deep pens that if you miss out and you're looking for holds, they also have elite guys who can get you holds outside of a, the top end saves guys. So we kind of came up with a top five sort of list. So Jake, I want to start with you. Give us uh, a couple teams that you're monitoring in terms of uh, the best bullpens that you want to target going into the 2023 season. I think the AL West is the perfect place to go. And no, it's not because I'm an ace fan. It's the Mariners <laughs> and the Astros. The Astros have shown to have one of the best bullpens in baseball. We saw in the postseason that they produced, wasn't it the lowest ERA ever for a bullpen in a postseason run? Something like that. They, they were They were pretty unstoppable and they haven't really lost anybody at all out of that pen. They returned Rafael Montero and they'll have guys like Brian Abreu and Hector Maris, Ryan Stanek and Phil Maton backing up Ryan Presley. And we can even see late season call up Hunter Brown sort of factor into there as a swing man. So I think that's a really great bullpen to target. Just it's so deep. All the guys there are so good and the Astros do such a good job at getting the most out of all their relievers that I think that's a, a really good spot to target. And then obviously the Mariners bullpen is super exciting. It's not really well-known names, but you know that they're going to get the most out of them. If Andres Munoz or Paul Subald, if one of those guys don't end up as the closer, the other one's going to be highly coveted because both of them are really good and they can strike out a lot of batters and they're going to rack up at least some saves. And then the rest of that bullpen, like Diego Castillo and Penn Murphy and especially Matt Brash, I think he could have a really exciting breakout. He was super good in the second half out of the bullpen. I think that entire bullpen is just going to provide tons of strikeouts, great ratios, lots of holds, especially for a team that we expect to be really good. So the AOS is ripe for finding some very dominant relievers that may not even be closers. Rick, we'll turn it over to you. Who are some other teams that you are monitoring who have kind of like Rick Jake said, that plethora of guys you want to get in both saves and saves plus holds league? I'm going to turn it over to the NL East and I'll go to Atlanta first where I think that's a bullpen where one through at least five of their their, their bullpen is some or, or guys you're going to want to look at in holds leagues. Uh, Iglesias back in a closer role. I have, you know, think he's still a top 10 top 12 closer and you know one of the two the best setup duo in baseball right now EJ Minter and Joe Jimenez right behind him um definitely guys you want to target in holds leagues Colin McHugh doesn't get a ton of holds but he'll give you good ratios and you know eat up a lot of innings and then talked about Dylan Lee earlier big fan of him as the second potential lefty in that bullpen and you know, Kirby Yates another year removed from Tommy John. Maybe he can. Maybe we can get, get something from him this year. He didn't look great last season, but you know, another off. It gets a full spring training this year. Perhaps he uh, he can bounce back. And the other team I want to say is Philly. We talked about them already. The Phillies are just loaded from Dominguez, Alvarado, Soto, Kimbrel, 
And then even, you know, they, they spent some money on Matt Strom this year. Maybe it was a little too much, but he's he's a nice middle relief option for them. Gives them another lefty. And then, you know, Bilotti and Brogdon are two guys who on a lot of teams are probably, you know, in a seventh or eighth inning role. So that, that bullpen is just, you know, one through seven stacked right now. Um, possibly, I mean, it's funny. We always used to make fun of the Phillies bullpen, but they, that might be the best bullpen in baseball right now. It's amazing what a year has done. So you say we always would talk about the Phillies with their pen as just not good. And always, but like you said, now it has so many names that you're targeting. And I know we talked about the confusion it is for saves, but if you're in a saves plus holds league, we know how good this Phillies team is. We know they were obviously just in the World Series in the past year. And are going to be competing in a very good NL East. So if you need holds, you can target, like you said, those four guys. And they have, you know, Bilotti and Strom, like you said, and Brogdon, who can chip in there as well. So it's crazy what a, a turnaround can do. And we kind of got into a top five. So I'll wrap it up for in terms of top five. And we can kind of bounce off each other before we move on. But uh, Cleveland, to me, is a team I'm fully monitoring this season for a closer. We know how good it is. We have the arguably the best closer in baseball from Manuel Classe. But outside of that, we saw what James Karinchak has done in the past. His strikeout stuff is unbelievable. We know he's going to be good. Trevor Steven took a you know a big step forward in the past year and kind of became a very vaulted weapon out of that bullpen for Cleveland. So I expect another a huge step forward for him in this coming season, jumping his K per nine by almost a full K per nine, uh, becoming the almost set up man. For them, Sam Hendricks has been good as a lefty, but a lot of names. A lot of we know how Terry Francona can manage a bullpen very, very well. I trust Cleveland move forward and you say you give the ball to Class A in the ninth and it's just game over. I'm very curious uh, what he can do for an encore. So while it doesn't have as many names in terms of uh, competing for saves, the amount of names who are going to be getting the ball to Class A puts Cleveland on this list for me. Yeah, statistically, that's got to be one of the best returning bullpens from last year. I mean... Yeah, those top four you mentioned, that's, you know, and even, you know, Eli Morgan had a pretty good year. He kind of struggled in the second half, but, um, yeah, that's a, that's a really, really deep, another really deep pen who, yeah, if you're talking about saves holds leagues, that could be, a another Minnesota is going to be good again this year, but the rest of that division is still Detroit, Kansas city, still probably a, a few years away. Yeah. Any teams that you guys were on the radar in terms of this that you want to monitor, or, you know, we can move over to uh, the other part, portion of the segment. But is there anybody you were, I was like, just missed this list that you want to just kind of put an honorable mention for? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of teams that have about two or three pieces, but they don't really. I think Toronto, if just because they added Eric Swanson, I think that really, really helps their bullpen because. Bass and Garcia are, are probably better off not as eighth in. They're probably more, you know, sixth, seventh inning inning guys, uh, ideally. So I, I think Swanson really helps lengthen out that bullpen. And if, if Isaac can come back and give them give them a good full year, that that, that, that bullpen can be pretty good too. I think the uh, Padres and Cardinals are pretty good as well. Padres, if Hayter recovers next year with Robert Suarez as the setup guy and other guys like Luis Garcia and Drew Pomeranz there could be really solid. And then also the Cardinals just having Ryan Helsley and Gallegos close out the back end of the game. It's pretty hard to top that one-two punch. And then if Jordan Hicks stays in the bullpen, you 
can sort of see that bullpen sort of come into its own with a lot of high strikeout guys that throw really hard. Yeah, I was very close to throwing the New York Mets on there as well. I know they lost uh, you know, Lugo and Trevor May, but they haven't done a bad job in terms of replacing them. They added Adam Adovino and David Robertson. Both trusted guys. Robertson had a, a bounce back year last year. Adovino, he's hit or miss, but you know when he's on, it's still very dangerous. And they traded for Brooks Raley, who shouldn't be slept on in that pen as well. So they were very close to making this miss list for me in terms of the top five. And we obviously we know Edwin Diaz back there and the trumpets, how good uh, how good he is. So I think the Mets are a team you want to monitor for in this category as well. But we'll transition over to the final portion of this. We want to talk about some of the most improved pens this offseason. We talked about how good they are, but there are some teams who, you know, we, we're going to monitor just based on they're kind of out of they're jumping into that category. So, Jake, we're going to start with you on this one. Who do you want to talk about? Obviously, the Phillies have improved. If you want to dive into that a little bit more, uh, you can. But is there any other teams in terms of a how, most improved the offseason that deserve more talk than have they been given this offseason? Sure. I think the Phillies are really obvious. We've yeah. This has basically been a Phillies-themed podcast, which is fair. <laughs> they won the NL pennant, so they, they sort of deserve a little bit of extra talk this offseason. But yeah, they are clearly maybe the most improved in, in general, just because they've added so many high upside arms that have a lot of experience, especially late in ball games. So that really makes them look more improved than any bullpen out there. I think you could consider the Mets improved if you talk about what they looked like after the World Series ended. So without their... um without their their free agents on their team. Like you said, Seth Lugo and even Ottavino was a free agent and they've done a good job to replace those guys with uh, a Rayleigh and bringing Ottavino back and bringing Diaz was a free agent too. So they, they had a lot of guys that were free agents. So I think they've done a good job at returning their bullpen to full strength, which is important. And then I'll, I'll leave Rick's team for him. So that's pretty important, but I'll just, I'll touch shortly on the Reds who seem to be, Bringing back a couple of injured guys in Lucas Sims and TJ Antone, I can't really speak on them too much. They really didn't do much last year and were sort of up and down in, in 2020 because it was, uh, or in 2021 because it was, uh, it was a, a, an awkward season for them for, for many reasons, mostly for Antone because he got, got injured. But yeah, I'd love to hear what Rick has to say about two red teams. Yeah, I mean, before the injuries to Sims and Anton, they were both climbing up the holds lists or, or closer lists. I mean, they they were two of the top relievers in baseball. So I think um, I, Sims has been a bit of a roller coaster with injuries. So I'm almost more you know uncertain of how, what his health's going to be in for next year. But Anton coming back from from surgery, I think he uh, I think he should slot right back into it set up role and definitely someone to keep an eye on and then holds leagues. Um, yeah, I guess the Red Sox definitely would be the other team that improved, but I don't, you know, I'm thinking about it more. It's like, yes, Jansen's nice. Chris Martin's a nice addition. Um, but you also are going to probably lose Garrett Whitlock to the rotation. Um, possibly Tanner Houck too. If, if Houck stays in the bullpen, then gives him a little bit more depth there, but, they could um they could obviously use another lefty there, but overall the bullpen was not great last year. Definitely a problem. It should be much improved this year with just Jansen and Martin and Schreiber, you know, in the top three roles, you know, for the, le- the end of game situations. But 
Um, yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward to seeing the bullpen at least, if, if, if for nothing else, because the rotation and lineup are just not getting me excited. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel for you. It's gonna be a weird season in Boston, but you know, it's always these weird seasons that come up, and all of a sudden, Boston's uh, good again. And this is all still plenty of time. They could make a move that gets you excited again, but it has been the offseason you expected there. But I do like, you said, like what they did in the bullpen. Chris Martin's been kind of slept on over the years and how just consistently good he's been. And Kenley Jansen, we know how, you know, he's one of the better relievers we've watched in recent in recent years, how dominant he's been in the past. He's not the same, but you know he could be trusted in the back end. And I do really like the Reds call because you don't talk about them enough. And last year we kind of had the toss and turn of who the heck is closing games for the Reds. And they still won't be a good team, but if Alexis Diaz back there, and if Lucas Sims and TJ Antone can come back and be the guys they were before the, their injuries, suddenly it's a back three in the bullpen where it's like, okay, you have something before you trade one of them away to try and rebuild. But um, I think that that can be a, a team worth monitoring in terms of a, uh, your saves plus holds because it's a good, uh, young, very talented uh, back end back there. So it'll be interesting. It'll be a very, very fun off season. There's still plenty of names to monitor to add to the list. So I guess before we wrap it up, I want to we kind of talk about the moves beginning here. Why don't we just run through a few te- names that are still out there? Uh, Jake, you mentioned some of these names at the beginning of the show in terms of who's out there. Is there anybody still uh, as a free agent that you? want to monitor closely as we always say it's team dependent on where they go but do you think any of these guys any guys who are still sitting out there you're going to be interested in terms of uh you know values of someone you're monitoring closely to see where they go just based on improvements from last year or anything like that i think the two most interesting ones for me are michael fulmer and alex reyes fulmer has always shown lots of potential as a Pitcher in general, he was a rookie of the year back when he debuted a long time ago, <laughs> and now he's a reliever. So he, he's been pretty solid. I think this is actually the type of guy that could go and fill in uh, the closer role in Detroit because he has experience playing there and they've used him as the closer there. So he's so- somewhat interesting for teams that still want a closer. And then Alex Reyes has probably got the most potential out of everybody that's still a free agent. He strikes out tons of guys, he walks too many guys, and he never stays healthy. But if he goes to the right team that can sort of work around his deficiencies, he could really turn into uh, an elite reliever like we saw for the first half of, was that 2019? I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, he he was really good in that first half. Definitely really lucky in terms of left on base and Babbitt and all that kind of stuff. And he fell apart in the second half and lost the closer role. But he's got tons of potential. It was 2021? It feels like it was sooner than... Yeah, it was sooner than 2019. It wasn't the pandemic year, so... 2016, he had a good 12-game stretch, but it's... It's been been a while. I think it was 2019. No, well, he had three innings that year. Yeah, it was 2021. Yeah, yeah 2021, you're right. Yes. You're right. <laughs> so it wasn't that long ago. So that's a, that's no. in his favor. 95 exactly. strikeouts in 72 innings. So, I mean, uh-huh. yeah, that's a good. I mean, I can't believe it, there hasn't been much. There hasn't been any news on him because, yeah, that's, you know, he, he has battled health and health problems, but he's still relatively young and 
you know, that type of upside doesn't usually just sit on, you know, sit around free agency at this point in the off season. So you'd think a team like, you'd think a team like Miami or something would have mm-hmm. jumped all over that, like a young pitcher with how good they've developed pitching and how they seem to always be looking for bullpen arms. It just seems like a match that's too good to be true. And I'm surprised they oh. haven't made that a, a jump yet. Yeah. All of those teams that were really, you know, we're not, we're not expecting to win a lot of games, even like the Tigers, the, I mean, Nationals, what's the Nationals bullpen look like? I mean, there's, there's a lot of teams that would make sense to give him a shot, but yeah, he's still, still available. And I mean, the only other person on this list that, that I like, but it's only for really, for holds leagues would be Andrew Chafin. I think, um, I'm surprised he's still available given his track record. He's been consistent pretty much year in, year out as a, you know, go, dominating lefty with, with one of the better sliders in the game. So uh, I expect him to sign with probably should, I'm expecting him to sign with a contender and get a, get a lot of holds chances wherever he lines up. Yeah. I've seen Zach Britton's name kind of floated around the, uh, the rumor mill lately. I saw that the Mets had had some interest in him. And if he goes there, he could have some uh, holds potential while fighting out Brooks Raley. But other than that, I, I don't think any of these really get me too excited. I, you are right, Rick. You said at the beginning of the show, I, I weirdly seeing Will Smith going somewhere and taking away saves from someone we want to be excited about for fantasy. And we've had our names last year. It was Anthony Bender. It was the guy we, you and I were both uh, very excited about. And then uh, Art Warren in Cincinnati. It's going to be something like that. Like it's a younger guy that we want to be excited for that Will Smith is going to go in and just eat away saves. Meet a boring guy that you just draft late. But um, Him and Brad but, Hand. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Exactly. I will say too. I guess while it's worth mentioning, probably because I saw this rumor today that Heraldus Chapman is potentially being linked to the Miami Marlins. So, mm. I know we don't like that, but um, he probably would be closing games for them if he does go there. So, it's another name to keep an eye on, I guess. Yeah, he'll be if he goes there. He probably is a favorite for saves, but I say this is a. a Yankee fan, good riddance. But as a fantasy player, <laughs> oh, that's cheap saves, and am I going to draft it? Oh, it's possible, and I don't want to do it. It sounds so gross, but I might do it. We'll see how it goes during the draft season. But uh, you know, it's going to be worth monitoring. By the time we record next month, it, we will have pitchers and catchers. I believe recording by the time we are reporting by the time we record next, but or very close to it. So we're going to start getting into some rankings, some real player debates, and. Dive in. We're getting closer and closer to that draft season where we're going to really start getting into some strategy and things, but and have some probably news to wrap up some of these. And you never know. There could be a trade thrown in, like a Gregory Soto type trade that we have to stop a show and talk about because there's still plenty of moves to happen. We're still about a month away from spring training. So the offseason is not over yet, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Independent Podcast. I am Callan, joined as always with Jake and with Rick. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon.